James. I'm Liz. I'm John. And we are Pop Culture Whores. Mm hmm. And this week we are here. I didn't have Dick in my mouth just then. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> and this week we are here to talk about bad movies. Well, it is two guys and a girl in your apartment. This is porn. Are we reporting porn? Liz. It can't be. There's no music. It happened earlier with Todd and I. Uh, anyone who's listening, Todd and I date, so I'm going to be TMI. She is. She does it all the time. This week, we are here to talk about our favorite bad movies. Before we start discussing them, God. name our favorite bad movies. Liz. Showgirls. Todd. Dracula, Sovereign of the Dam. Someone say my name. James. The Room. And I, before I start, I'd just like to say... We all know everyone has a favorite bad movie. Don't try to deny yeah, don't it. There's really? that piece of crap you enjoy. There's that piece of crap that you watch. You sort of go. <laughs> it's like every time I watch, like every third Nick Cage movie I watch, I'm like, oh, this is awful, but I love it. <laughs> and there will be several terms that I'm going to use in the course of this review. The first and most important is the bear suit moment. <laughs> this is a reference to the remake of The Wicker Man. Oh, God. In which Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage over the top. And at one in point... noted misogynist... And I, I'm sorry, I hate it when that term is used, but it actually does apply to the old dude. <laughs> um, and at one point in the movie, he dons a bear suit, runs up a hill, and punches a woman in the face. To this day... Cinematic gold. To this day, I just imagine Nicolas Cage as Chance Audrey that. What am I doing here? I'm in the middle of the woods in a bear suit. I was nominated for an Oscar before this. I won an Oscar before this! Boom! <laughs> okay, back in the scene, I'm good. <laughs> I've worked with Jonathan Demi, hasn't he? Yes. Okay. He's worked with... David Lynch made more sense to me than this. For fuck's sake, he's worked with Werner Herzog. I know. Well, that's what happened until after. Good point. The bear suit moment is the moment in a, where the movie has gone so horribly wrong that you should rewind your entire production and figure out what where it went wrong, what point the movie broke. Like, this is the event horizon of crap. Exactly. And I would also like to add, um, we are going to discuss other bad movies we love after we, we discuss our main ones, uh, but I also want to differentiate between a favorite bad movie and a guilty pleasure. Uh, this is the way I put it. A guilty pleasure is something I genuinely feel kind of like, why the fuck am I watching this? Like, you know you should And a favorite bad movie is something that, you know what, I have gotten to the point where I have no shame in admitting I love Showgirls. Everyone who knows me knows I love this movie. And I'm kind of afraid that I'm getting to the point where I don't even love it as a bad movie. I just love it. But I still know it's a bad movie. <laughs> it's, it's a fairly terrible movie. It's, like, it's the line between liking a movie because it's bad, and knowing a movie is bad, but liking it regardless. Exactly. My, my best, like, guilty pleasure, I actually don't think it's technically, like, a bad movie, because it's really, like, shooting to be the kind of movie it is, is um, Air Force One. See, for my vote, guilt, one of those guilty pleasures, and I know this gets me a lot of strange looks, screw it, I don't care. I still enjoy watching the infamous animated Tolkien movies. They're not great <laughs> movies, but I, it's a nostalgia thing. The Gandalf hair. Gandalf has 70s hair. See, no, I'm... no, the best part about uh, those is when you watch the Ralph Bakshi one and Gandalf turns into the father from higher. Oh my god. The elves are back. Um, my... See, I there are some movies where I'm kind of ashamed of that I like them, and one of them is The Happening. It just... Not ma'am, no! <laughs> I know, it's so... Fucking off. The wind is the enemy. The wind. The thing about the happening is, it actually has a killer first like twenty minutes. It does. And then an awesome premise. It well, does. The it's, that's it just, also part of the problems when you look and you go, Shyamalan just read like the first fifty pages of Cell and went, I've got my next movie. And, and this mm. happens a lot with Shyamalan's like his later crap, like. Signs had was really good until the last third, and then it fell. Not even the last third. The last ten minutes is where it falls. And it apart. just falls apart so hard. It's but like I it, st you can still enjoy the rest of the movie because it has great build up. And the village, the village has a killer build up, and then it hits the second act and it just breaks. It's also essentially I knew what the village was because there was this, there's this young adult book called Running Out of Time. Yes, I've heard of that. You've read it? Yeah, I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I read that in like. Or maybe not for I don't know when I read okay. it. Either way, I read it, and I'm just like, hey, wait a minute in the theater. Liz and has heard this story. I have a great story regarding the village. So okay, like, go on. There was a friend of mine in college. I, I will uh, keep the name disclosed unless he ever decides to come forward and disclose it on his own. He was seeing the village in theaters. And as it was going on, isn't Santa going to spoil the ending? Yes. I think everyone knows the ending. And I don't, don't see it at all. He's sitting there in the middle of the theater going, 
I swear to God, if it turns out this is modern day Jersey, I am going to scream. And it, it was. was. He did. It was modern day Jersey. Lois, yeah, but here is my actual guilty pleasure. Todd knows it, and all I gotta say is this is the skin of a killer. Like the skin of a disco ball. <laughs> I'm sorry. I the Twilight movie. I caught it on TV, and it's just so fucking awful. It's like two people with Aspergers or <laughs> a huge lack of social skills falling in love, and there's so many what the fuck moments. And what the hell is with the blue tint? And why is this one kid walking around going, "How you liking the rain, girl?" And why is the rain, girl? And why does everyone like Bella? She's boring as shit. And she can't close her mouth. The and then there's like guys, guys, we're kind of going into familiar territory here. Everyone's hit the pinata of the Twilight. I know. My my favorite guilty pleasure. But, I, that, no, no, there is another great. There are two great stories out of this. Okay, um, go. I saw it on TV once when you were you were here, and I was like, okay, you got to see this. When we get to Edward's disco ball reveal, you laughed so hard for because a it was such a ridiculous... It has an audible sparkle. That was part of it. I mean, I was looking, all of a sudden, he turns into the ceiling at Studio 54. <laughs> and I keep expecting Voldemort to pop out of a But then there's another one, which people don't really talk about that much. It's where like, she goes to meet his family, and the girl with the blonde hair is like, why is she here? And, you know, I guess the rest of the family prepares their dinner to be, you know, nice, because apparently they're decent vampire people. And just, you know, she goes, oh, we already ate. And she just smashes the ball for the fucking person. Like, I was so just stupid. waiting. After the ball smash, we had for her to point to just do the pod people shriek. I know. And, and then there's the whole, like, Drusilla and Spike vibe I get from Alice and Evil Harpo. It's like, I, 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 I will know. now, it's like, I've said this several times, I will now say it on record. There is only one vampire in pop culture who's allowed to sparkle, and his name is Dio Brando. But, you know... No, I know, it's just, it's so fucking stupid, but if it is on TV, I will probably turn it on. I'll probably be puttering around doing something else, but I'll make sure I'm there for, like, bull smashing I, and just giggle. For, for, I actually like Air Force One. I actually think it's a good action movie. I think it's well-paced, well, there are good action sequences. It's not Get just... Get off my plane! Yes, um, it's not just because I'm sexually attracted to Harrison Ford. Got, get oh, get off my plane. Yes! Because he used to be Harrison Ford with the ripped sleeves and Temple of Doom. That's the Indiana Jones movie made a reference? Okay, go on with that shit. But we're not here to talk about Guilty Pleasures, even though we spent like eight minutes doing We're so. talking about our favorite bad, bad movies, movies, which we, we will... We to go back to the Guilty Pleasures more in the future. We will. See, we'll, no, my... here's the difference. Guilty Pleasures, we don't own copies of these. Favorite bad movies. Speak for yourself. We totally do. I, I own, own two copies of Showgirls. One that I bought and one Todd got me the deluxe edition that includes shot glasses and the pinned pasties on the stripper game. Any other person, this would be an active war birthday presence. Uh, but for when, me, it would be When I went to see The Room the first time in the theaters, they started throwing copies of the DVD. I dove for not one, not two, but three copies! To introduce other people. I get one of them I gave to the person who got me the tickets, one of them I gave to the friend of mine who came with me, and one of them is mine! And I, one... I don't have a copy of the room yet, and I need to fix it. Dracula, I could only buy a bootleg. There is no official release on that piece of crap. Harmony Gold has made sure that doesn't happen. But since we're since it's my laptop we're recording this on, Go we're on. going to discuss the room first. Well, and the room is, it's essentially the closest thing. We, it, it's our generation's Rocky Horror. Repo the Genetic Opera has been trying to make itself into Rocky Horror, but the people who do Repo the Genetic Opera forget that the whole Rocky phenom the Rocky Horror phenomenon kind of grew organically. And that's did, the thing yeah, that you the... You can't cultivate that kind Exactly. Of and, but, and that's why the room is the true heir to the Rocky Horror throne. The room has cultivated that, its own cult following. That, and also... I think part of what's made The Room such a cult following is it's a type of film I like to call a pinata movie. Half the fun is everyone gets together and beats the living shit out of this film. But, but it actually it actually has all of the telltale signs of like these things where I find like the difference between a movie that is bad and I hate, like The Condemned yeah. or Transformers, and a movie that is so bad it's good. In the first place we have to start with that is Accent. <laughs> this is not universal. Oh, but hi. 
Oh, hi. Who is that accent? He, he, said, he says he's from Louisiana. Lies. He's not from Louisiana. Lies and slander. He's what? from, I get. I have to guess, Eastern Europe. Probably. Um, I still love the popular urban legend theory that he is Andy Kaufman pulling one last prank on us all. I believe it. But um, if you look at a lot of the really famous, you know, so bad they're good movies, you know, Plan 9 has the wrestler who's completely unintelligible. Is that Tor Johnson? It was. Yep. Yes, it was. Um, what, you know, Manos the Hands of Fate has whatever the hell is going Torgo. on with Torgo. Um, you know, Troll 2 Suicide? has... Suicide? Yes, exactly. Troll 2 has that weird way everyone talks. And the, uh, the witch. Especially. And yes. the witch. And the witch lady who has popcorn coming out of her vagina Most for some of the really, like, famously bad movies have weird, like, accents or line delivery. Yeah. And I think that's part of their charm. Like, I could go literally anywhere to hear bad dialogue. I can only go to the room to hear bad dialogue read like this. Well, and breast cancer. And breast cancer. Even outside of just Tommy Wiseau, the other actors are pretty bad. Like, actually, one of my all-time favorite lines over that, surprisingly, isn't from Johnny. Chris R. Well, there's Chris R. Also, but there's Denny's enraged. You're not my fucking mother! Yeah. Made even better by the fact he looks like a Weasleyer version of Edward Furlong in Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> just, so, and this is the next, actually, I wanted to make this my next point. Things cannot make sense. Nothing in that movie it's makes like sense. All the really bad ones. Like, look at Showgirls. Half of Showgirls. I'm sitting there going, why did she just do that? Well, because Nomi clearly has a personality disorder. Well, yes, but... Like, it, was Paul Pro- or the, it wasn't Paul Perman. It was Joe Hester Ross. Yeah. like, eh, screw it. I'm already getting paid out the ass for this movie. Like, like move, bad movies like this, the actions have to be completely nonsensical. Nothing can make any sense. Like, why... Okay, here's the thing. Why does Denny follow Lisa and Johnny, who are lovers, up into their love pad? Actually, uh, I like to watch. Actually, that one kind of made sense in an incredibly creepy way later when you find out that Denny is crushing on Lisa. Yeah, but even if you have a crush on someone, you usually don't follow someone where they're fucking. Let's, let's, let's... Where let's, did the apple go? Oh, yeah, where did the apple go? He ate it whole. Let's, let's just look at the fact that... I think he took a bite and he realized, oh god, it's plastic, and threw it away. Um, but then also, let's face it, Denny is just a naturally creepy individual. Denny yes. reminds me of this con stalker guy that I knew. I, I tend to get involved with your ears. Oh my god. Denny's Thanks. the Sonichu guy. Ah! Oh my god. You cracked right. the code. Yes! This is the worst origin story ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, Denny just kind of reminds me of this creepy cod stalker that I knew. This is also the same guy, I told you this, the guy who was turned on by Perfect Blue, a.k.a. he should register himself as a sex offender. Probably. Really, who's turned on by that shit? Don't you know. don't want to know the answer. There's, there's an answer. Future rapists? It's like, if there's one thing, uh, there are two concepts about the world. No matter how unpleasant your question is, you know, there probably is an answer. And it's going to be an answer you'll wish you never learned. There are things, there are rabbit holes in the internet you don't want to go down, Liz. Yeah. There are, place, there are dark places where you see dark things that you can't unsee. You can't handle the truth, Dude, Liz! I've seen Akira, Yaoi Akira fan art. I've seen all the worst of it. No, <laughs> no, you know nothing of horror. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> I'm going, I will show you places. What you did was look at, like, one of the lesser beings at the Mountains of Madness. The full blur haunts in the internet is like looking at Arla Thotep in the eye in terms of how horrifying and well, crazy. Well, G-Tot, I'm not like you. I don't intentionally find the worst things ever and seek them out. You were the guy who would look at the Ark of the Covenant after Indy says don't. Cool. Let the record show I said that first. I know, but you would die. And then no, he wouldn't. He'd just be completely fine. And I'd then, be sitting there with an eye burned out going, like, worth it. Then where would I get dick from, Todd? Where would I get dick from? Hookers? No. Maybe I can finally hit up Channing Tatum. <laughs> he does have a magic ass. Dude, I saw Magic Mike. Uh, not to get off topic, but holy shit, Magic Mike, when he danced to that Genuine song, I was just like, I'm going to need this recorded for future use. Can you no longer thread a needle? <laughs> can we floor go to Showgirls, or are you still talking about the Go movie? to Showgirls. Like, okay, Showgirls. <laughs> yeah, speaking of nudity. Showgirls was... I have an intro, like, I was actually introduced to Showgirls when this movie came out. Um, my mom, not, I didn't see it. 
My mother would always watch the Today Show, and we were... This was 1996, so we were living with my grandparents at the time, but before I'd go to school, I'd, like, you know, eat my breakfast, the Today Show would be on, and they were reviewing... It was a friend, and they were reviewing Showgirls, and I remember seeing, like, you know, just hearing about it, and, like, who was the, the afro... The, the, guy, the white dude with the afro and the big mustache? Oh, Shallot. Yes, he was going zero stars. It's horrible, and I was already kind of interested in movies at that time. Like I'd been getting into, I was into Star Wars and and Nana Jones. Yeah, it's like a puppets. Yeah. Is it Shallot the name of the castle that what's her name is finally? Shallot. There it is. But you know what I'm talking about it's a fellow. It's a fellow? No, it's not no. Lady of Shallot is a Tennyson a... poem. Yeah. Though. Okay. Okay, back on topic. Yes, but anywho, I was started getting into movies. I was reading reviews, and you know, it's, uh, also there was a really cool like video store where I'd see you know the video covers for old John Waters movies. So I was well in my point to seeing stuff way above my, which I shouldn't have been seeing. John Waters. Oh, my. oh, but I basically saw like you know, and I see Elizabeth Berkeley dancing around on screen, whatever they could show on TV at the time. And as soon as I said, Mom, what showgirls is that about? And I'm just like. About a woman who doesn't want to sell her soul for, or she wants to dance, but she doesn't want to sell her soul. That's all I knew for years. And then, you know, at the video store, I remember seeing like the DVD cover where it's just the, you know, sort of nude body. It's like the show's about to begin. So I kind of had a basic idea of what it was. And, you know, I'd seen it once and just been like, oh, this is awful. This is fucking horrible. And actually, Nostalgia Chick and I kind of sort of, sort of share the same thing. Um, I went to school in New York, and the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater, which I'd been going to with my friend oh, Jen, had been, they were doing the show called Showgirls, the best movie ever made ever, and she was like, okay, we should go, and the, the fun, the one we decided to go to was when Zulima from Project Runway was going to be one of the people there, and so I'm like, oh, we're reserving tickets for this. And that's when I'm like, you know what, I need to give this movie another fucking watch. And that is when, when I started watching again, I, and by then she'd also shown me Troll 2. So I think she'd already kind of gotten me into, like, movies that can be bad and still funny. And that's when I truly started to appreciate Showgirls. And Showgirls just, its backstory is so fascinating. I mean, not that The Rooms isn't. The Rooms is bad. It's fascinating just in how the fuck did he get this money and who the where the fuck is this guy from? Supposedly, he got the money. Leather sales or something? Selling leather jackets. And when I understood, uh, my first thought was, did you make them out of people? Yeah. <laughs> Made them from his own height, he did. I would, I believe that I would believe that Tommy Wiseau had skin. Yes, and you know, but it's like this is a movie that, and people, I, I don't know, it's actually kind of well known now. This is a movie that people thought was going to be huge at the time. Like this was an expensive screenplay. This was going the guy who wrote Basic Instinct, which made a shit ton of money. And Paul Verhoeven, yeah, Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven had a great career up at that until that point. You know, he had done, and then RoboCop, Total yeah. Recall. Total Recall and Basic Instinct, you know, an erotic thriller, which I don't think Basic Instinct is a good movie at all. I mean, the only reason it's remembered is Crotch Shot, essentially. Crotch Shot! But it and was, Newman. Newman. But it was essentially just like, you know, when it bombed, it was like, whoa. And I mean, I didn't even know what NC-17 was when I was 10. Just that it meant I couldn't see it at all, even if my parents took me. Yeah, and so, but it's now become like, not even a punching bag anymore. It's become... It's a punchline. It's a punchline, but it's a lovable punchline. Like, they referenced it on The Simpsons. It's like, you know, cult, the forgotten cult classic night, Showgirls. You know, they, they kind of, you know... It's, it's a disaster piece. That's what it, it is. is. But, like, I remember Martin, like, Homer going, I'm enjoying all the dancing, and Marge's like, and I'm enjoying the, you know, the nice friendship between the woman and the seamstress. It was a movie that tried, I th it was really trying to say something. The way The Room was trying to be, like... like an a, artistic movie. Yeah. Showgirls, I think, I think at its core, was trying to be an erotic film about... And I think it was trying to draw parallels between the acceptable forms that women are exploited, so you have the CD strip clubs, and then she finds that it isn't that different, that being a showgirl isn't that different, and I think at some point she's like, wow, I actually prefer the people at the CD strip club, you know, and they Al, show up again. Yeah, and they show up again. Must be weird. Not having yeah, anybody, anybody come, come on you. you. Great line. But yeah, and so it's like, oh my god. Like, but it just goes so wrong. And then there's that, I think the bear suit scene for this movie is the rape. Because it takes, like, up until that point, the movie's just laughably bad. There's the weird flopping sex scene, the 
completely unerotic dance scenes. Like usually, there's this weird thing where like every ten seconds she like tries to seduce someone and then gets pissed off when and then runs out of the room. And I want to fuck her. And then there's this weird like thing where I get the feeling that every single female character wants to fuck her. No, 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 just Gina Gershon. Oh, I honestly no Molly no. Molly wants to fuck her. No, not really. No, I got strict friends. I, I don't buy the whole every woman wants to fuck Nobi thing. I think it was just Gina, because Gina Gershon is, well, does want to fuck everybody in real life. Yeah. Um, I'd actually say, well, I don't know if it counts as a bear zoo moment, but I think the moment the movie is broken to me is, is the rape. No, that's the moment where the movie gets uncomfortable for me. That's why I don't like it as much as you, because when that moment well, happens... Well, the thing I is, did... I just skip right the fuck Oh, I just go actually, fast forward. I actually did an edit of the movie where I cut out the rape sequence where I like cut out that entire subplot like when she goes to the hospital she's just visiting the other chick and once she pushes down the stairs and the movie doesn't make any less sense so why although I will say this when she does beat the shit out of the guy it's fucking awesome that is fucking awesome but you know I think she's got her titties like flying around all she's kicking it oh god I don't know I have I have seen this movie are they like pepperoni slices no she put lipstick on them why I don't know I have watched. I have watched. No, no. When she did her, she was putting on her war paint when she was doing her nails in that scene. You see, she's just like, I'm gonna go see Andrew Carver doing my nails like a cheetah. Because I'm gonna kick boss. No, like a cheetah. Because she's gonna beat the shit out of him. And I'm like, why do you have lipstick on your tits? Like, if you want to put something on your tits for a guy to lick off, like put I don't know frosting or something whipped cream. No, I don't. Um, I'm not saying. Can't have that on your shirt. I'm not saying that from experience. Um, <laughs> I actually think the moment that the movie... Like, pour champagne on your tits and have him lick him off. I don't know, and then beat the shit out of earlier? him. Did she do that earlier? Yeah. Just in the pool scene? Yeah, she did. She did. So it's like, just recreate that, Nomi. I, yeah, to this day, I don't know why she had lipstick on her tits. The moment that I feel like, <laughs> I realized, the moment I first watched it, I realized that there was not going to be anything salvageable about this movie was the most, the best line in movie history. Everybody got <laughs> AIDS and shit. And somewhere <laughs> right in that line, Joe Westross thought, genius! He thought that was going to be a deep, meaningful line. Like, no! No, no, no. The, actually, the line that I love after that is the one I, the, the, the line that comes after like, You got too much talent for that to be right! No, she doesn't. No. That's, that's She's like, actually not a very, no one's a very good dancer. No, I, no, she actually, like, Elizabeth Berkeley apparently was trained in dance, and I don't doubt that, she, like, when you actually see her, anytime she actually has to do any real dancing, she's not bad. Like, uh, there is the informed ability thing, because we never truly see her do anything that's truly anything well, more than gyrating, but I don't doubt that Elizabeth Berkley herself is a bad dancer. Like, she, when she was on this Bravo show, and they, she actually did dance with it, I'm like, wow, she's actually not that bad. Well, Showgirls just didn't demonstrate it. It also <laughs> makes tits boring to me. See, that was yeah, have you seen the VH1 edit where they have Yeah. The, now that just makes it funny. <laughs> but there's the thing where, like, by the end of the movie... By the end of the movie, there have been tits out in the movie so much and so often that, you know, I look over at the movie and there's tits. I'm like, oh, hi, tits. How are things? <laughs> yeah. Not so bad since the last scene. <laughs> the, last, the last time I saw you was a minute ago. How have things been since then? Yeah. One thing I will say that this movie has proven. I think Kyle MacLachlan is basically the, he has some sort of bizarre movie a luck going. Because he has been in two legend, uh, two films that bombed legendarily when they came out, and then both went on to become cult hits. What was the other one? The David Lynch version of Dune. Uh, Sting's song. Yeah. It's like so. There's like he turns bad movies into strangely good ones. Thing, I I actually don't hate the David Lynch Dune. I don't like it much, but I see where he was going with it. I find it's fascinating to watch. Pretty much, I mean, it was well cast, but it was just. And then there's the fact that now David whenever Lynch. I hear um. Um, every breath you take, I think about Sting in that movie watching me, and I curl up under my bed and point a shotgun at the door. Well, speaking of shotguns, should we get on track to the song for the day? And there was a shotgun in that, right? Yes. No, that was more of the toy Frankenstein, the same production. Okay. Okay, so here's the other thing that we're going to explain to you about this movie before he starts. I have not seen this movie. I have, because I went with him to, to battle to me bad and was introduced to this piece of shit. And, and Todd has seen it more than either of us. And the important thing is, unlike Showgirls in the Room, this is not a famous bad movie. This is obscure. This it's is getting, his... It's kind of actually getting some problems. Basically, I first I first got introduced to this one, Caravan was mentioned, the bad anime, bad panel in anime Boston. Now, that, because every bad movie has its own unique backstory, 
If I had to sum up the backstory of Software the Damned in three words, it's lost in translation. So here's how this all breaks down. In the 1970s, Marvel Comics, under the creative guise of Marv Wolfman, who did a lot of really good shit for the comics back then, they created the series Two of Dracula. The series went, and it went well. It ran for good seventy plus episodes. It, it ran for good seventy plus issues, and introduced us to the character of Blade. So it's got something to come out of it. Somewhere along the way, Toy Animation got a hold of this, and they did a straight to TV for E, very loose adaptation of the. Why are you peeling my broken battery? Why aren't you? It's like, but they did a very loose adaptation of the comic, condensed down into a ninety-minute movie. I reiter I'm not sure how much of the full set of the issues they re it broke down because I've only read a couple issues so far. I can honestly say, if there is ever a comic I would call a graphic novel, this is it. It is like 50% prose with illustrations to explain half what's being said over <laughs> and over. God love you, Mark. You basically wrote a novel, and the entire story is supposed to be in if, anyway. Sovereign the Dam is the name it was given when Harmony Gold picked up the oh, toy movie and brought it over here in the 80s. The movie kind of has gained a fringe following the internet since then. Before we can go on, what is Harmony Gold? Explain to our Harmony yeah, Gold is one of those companies that, for a long time, they were one of the earliest people to release anime over here. It's like them and their sibling company, Streamline Entertainment, under the guise of one of the, uh, the most infamous Carl Masick. They brought over a lot of stuff. And the thing was, I'm not, they technically weren't the first in their field, but they were def, They were one of the busier ones for a while there. They were, Before we got here, essentially, all we had was Actually, it's funny you should say that, because, again, it was their sibling company, Streamline, that brought Akira over in the first place. Yeah, but they gave us... Harmony Gold was largely known for two things. One was the entire Robotech industry there, and terrible dubbing. Uh, so we have a movie that... So here's how this is all breaking down. American comic book? Unofficial Japanese adaptation. There. Okay, hold on. Yeah, he's actually going to come closer so he can hear. If you couldn't hear before, I'm very sorry. So here's how it all breaks down. American comic book. Unofficial Japanese made-for-TV movie adaptation. Re-English dubbing by a company known for taking liberties with its translation. Oh boy. The funny part is, those don't do as much damage to the movie as it is on its own. So, the premise is it takes place in what's supposed to be modern-day Boston. I say supposed to be even though the streets all look like... It's like Whitechapel. It's like a Jack the Ripper period piece. Yeah, I lived in Boston. Boston don't and look like that. This is after a whole little narrative opening, and what's supposed to be an opening credit sequence where there is just background still shots, because Harmony Gold took out all the Japanese text and just left the opening in regardless, even though nothing happens. <laughs> anyway, we see this meaning of what's supposed to be Satanists. In true Japanese fashion, they, they technically have a very mixed view of what a cult is, because it's either that or the Satanists can't decide how many points are on the pentagram, because they are a star of David on the floor. Ah! They're supposed to be summoning a bride for Satan. Instead, they offer a... Uh, instead, Dracula comes in and steals who's supposed to be Satan's bride. Can't Satan get his own bride? I will oh, say really? this. This ritual leads to probably one of many memorable battle lines will be, Hail Dolores, Bride of Satan! Yeah, Apparently it was actually spo it was a different name in the comics, but they redid it. But anyway, the entire premise is as this is all Dracula falls in love with this mortal woman, which leads to this whole mm -hmm. fucked up romance. And alongside this, we have a vampire hunting team consisting of the descendant of, uh, of Jonathan Harker, the descendant of Abraham Van Helsing, and someone who is apparently descended from uh, Dracula's bloodline who now calls himself Frank Drake. These are the most inept vampire hunters you will ever see, and they. Basically, they spend most of the entire movie trying to track this guy down and failing at it, abysmally. Like, more shit happens to Dracula on his own than these people do. Seriously, Dracula's his own worst enemy in this movie. Basically, we, we, we didn't... I should probably point out that Liz and I didn't explain the premises of our movie. Um, I don't think really... If you're, like, if you're listening to a podcast about bad movies, you probably know what the room is. It's about a banker. His wife's cheating on him. Everyone betray him. He's fed up. I'm fed up with his world. And the crazy people that have it is like Showgirls. It's about I think Showgirls is, I think, would arguably be the most well known because that was a very mainstream movie. When it, was, it bombed, it took a lot of shit with it. Yeah, it did. Weirdly enough, it didn't take Verhoeven with it. 
Yeah, for hope. Well, it did for a while actually. He did. He did Hall. Yeah, he, he did. No, he did Starship Troopers. Up. Yeah, that was yeah, kind of but, his appar- but apparently he had to. Uh, I think he was already signed on to do that. Oh, and then he did Hollow Man after that. Yeah. Yeah. But he eventually <laughs> made a respectable return with a very good film called Black Book. I would definitely recommend. But no, it's about a uh, Nomi Malone. She's a girl from the streets, and then she goes to Vegas, streaming to be a showgirl dancer. She High ambitions. A, she takes a. You know, hey, it's it's hard to dance. Um, and they make good money. They just show their titties a lot. So she's lap dancing at a strip club, and then she gets a job as a showgirl, and she kind of realizes, oh, this isn't all that different. And for some reason, this bothers her. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I really can't explain. This movie is truly one that has to be seen to believe. I yeah. it's because the amount of fuckery that goes into this, it happens. It's just wow. Well, yeah, that's that's another thing. There, like, a mo- any movie can be bad. Literally any movie. Any movie yeah. can be good, any movie can be bad, but there are there is something about like the legendary like like it comes back to that thing not making sense. Like yeah. I think that's part of I think yeah. it also has to be everything has to be bad. Like, in the room, there is no layer of that movie that 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 did okay. Like the the green screen is awful. The music is hilarious. <laughs> like it's cheesy R and B movies in the movie's many yeah. inexplicable sex scenes. Oh, by the way, Go the Google worst. Tommy Wiseau's ass. The Google worst. images. It's your your <laughs> life. Will never, your life will never be the like, same. I couldn't jack off for like three weeks. As far as the question of bear suit moments, it's tough for me to pick a single bear suit <gasps> moment in Dracula. Is it him eating the cheeseburger? I'll get to that. Basically, I've narrowed it down to I think three moments I would call the bear suit moment in this movie. The first is the scene when Frank Drake is first introduced to the team of the rest of Vampire Hunters. He thinks they're all completely out of their minds, and I will. I mentioned already one of them was a descendant of Jonathan Harker. He is this old man in a wheelchair. And Frank Drake last asked them off. And the old man decides to get tested. Whips out a sword cane and just lunges after him. Well, lunges isn't accurately the word. He's got this woman pushing him along. So you've got this grown man being threatened by an old man being wheeled around in a wheelchair. (laughs) It's like if Daniel Daniel Day-Lewis' character in My Left Foot was Daniel Day-Lewis' character in um, Last No Heathen. Anyway, bear suit moment number two, further outlining just how laughably ineffective this vampire hunting team is, they spend half the movie hunting for Dracula. And their logic is, by the eye, finding out where he's not, we better it down to where he is. And they pull up a map of all the areas they confirm that have, he has struck recently. And this is one of the only areas where you get any sense this actually takes place in Boston, because you can almost see Brookline written on the map. All the areas outline a giant bat symbol. Oh, God. This is like... This is like, just, it's like the Batman logo type bat symbol. Oh my god, it's even better. I know, it's, yeah. and please get to... And bear suit moment number three. Okay, to recap part of this, Satan doesn't take too kindly to Dracula blocking his unholy cock. So, there, Unholy cock block! There is an entire running back and forth about how Satan wants to punish Dracula for his defiance. Dracula's pissed at Satan for damning him to hell for all eternity. Satan takes away, uh, it's like... And in the middle of all this, Dracula has his powers taken away. I won't go into the full details of the house just because it is such a convoluted plot line involving all sorts of shit, including his son becoming a weapon of God. You really need to see it to properly make sense of it all. But in the middle of all this, Dracula is learning the hard way all the all the drawbacks of mortality again, including being hungry for the first time in ever for something that isn't blood. So he mugs a guy, and the next thing you know, you see him in a diner. Still dressed in traditional Dracula suit, big collared cape. It's amazing. Fancy suit, munching on a plate of what looks like White Castle grade cheeseburgers. <laughs> the other, the vampire, the best part of this is the vampires come by and they're like, "Look, it's Dracula. We should finish him off now." No, he's a human now. He's no more threat to us. Did he get his power back and killed him. He gets his power back. Which way they suddenly finally decide, okay, now he's our problem again. Aww. Um, I I don't think if I could actually identify. A bear suit moment in the room. Because it's all a bear suit moment. Yeah, the, like, the, the room first, is one giant bear suit. The a bear first suit sex movie. scene is the bear suit moment, and that's like ten minutes in. It's like five. Like literally, like there's the opening credits, and we introduce we're introduced this character, and the way he's introduced is he walks in and he looks like Ronnie James Dio as playing Gollum. See, yes. my first thought was Perfect. it's Nathan Explosion years after all the drugs and alcohol have burned through his body. And he just body. walks in, and one of the literally, like, one of the weirdest scenes happens, and then, 
Like, it d- makes no sense. Like, he gives her a dress, and then his wacky neighbor comes in. Oh, by the way, I should probably inform you that Johnny, the main character's movie, Johnny, who referred to as Tommy Wiseau, because that's his He's apparently name. the nicest person in the world who buys people everything. He supplies himself with his own wacky neighbor. I know. It also helps that no one locks a door in this movie. Yeah, really. Yeah, like, at one point... Like, two of their friends come over and have sex on their couch. By comparison, Seinfeld's apartment is like Fort Knox. And then they, <laughs> and then they go upstairs. And then at one point, like, when Johnny's wife is cheating on him, they have sex on the stairs. And I, again, all the sex scenes are set to awful R&B music, like it's a fucking Cinemax movie. I almost feel like Cinemax might have a slightly higher production value. Yeah, that's the yeah. weirdest thing. You know, Showgirls is really expensive, and the production values are actually really high, but most, like, bad movies, like... Plan 9 was financed because he, with the church, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, like, they got a yeah. church in because they wanted to make 12 Apostles movies. He says, oh, I'll make you a sci-fi movie, and you can use the profits from that to make your 12 Apostles movies, and it'll bomb, and you'll never make another movie. Ah. And, you know, or, like, Troll 2 was made by, like, some guy who no one ever heard of. From oh, Italy, that guy is and insane. And, contro- it, and contains neither trolls nor is nor is it a sequel, so... And yet, it's basically just a hate screw against vegetarians, but since I find a lot of them to be annoying, I don't mind. But The Room... Well, then it's just, it's such a ridiculous hate screw, you can't help but laugh. Yeah. But The Room costs $6 million. For context, if you want to see another $6 million movie back-to-back with The Room, go rent at the same time Blood Simple, which is the Coen Brothers' first movie. And it's actually good. It's a great movie. It's yeah. a Coen Brothers movie. But it's one of those things where I'm sitting there going, where did your $6 million go? You have one location. You have one set. When you go up on the roof, you're not on a roof. You're just behind a green screen. An awful green screen. Uh-huh. When, when they walk, there's no, like, I don't know how many people. Like, I well, went to film school. You went to film school. No, I just studied film as oh. an English major. Okay, well, I went I to was film. a film minor, I went to film school. And... I don't know how many people on the internet actually know this, but 99.99% of sounds on a movie are added in post-production yep. by a special oh, team. Yeah. In fact, most dialogue is added in post-production because yeah. they have to record it again. The room has none of that. When they walk, there's no sound. When when they're out on the roof, there's no sounds of traffic. But, to be fair, they did actually have a couple of on-location shots, like there's the flower shop scene. The and diner! The football in the park. The football. Oh yeah, this movie has this weird obsession with football. Which, if you go to a screening, um, if They'll throw theater, footballs, they'll throw spoons. If your theater allows it, the one, the Avon, unfortunately, does not, but if you go to the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline, they will allow you to throw a football. And spoons. But and like, yell. Um, they throw spoons at the screen because there are framed pictures of spoons everywhere. Yeah, I don't know why. Fun no, fact, no one knows why. Fun fact, if you look online, look up the Room Tribute Flash game. <laughs> they, yes. they have a hidden in-game of it where it's basically finding all the hidden spoons. They, you get them all, you unlock the special bonus ending. They they create, like, they have, they play football every, like, ten minutes. They <laughs> play football in an abandoned alleyway. How is that not creepy? It is creepy. I'm sitting there going, why did that happen? What? What? No. And just... Okay, so I, we've talked a lot about The Room. We've talked a lot about Dracula. You need to talk some more about shows. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, God, my favorite. Yes. Um, well, it's sort of Elizabeth Berkeley who, anyone who's got any even a little bit of nostalgia from him or grew up, was like, you know, born in the 80s but raised mostly in the 90s as a kid, remembers Saved by the Bell. So ah. this is Elizabeth Berkeley of, Zach, I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so scared! Probably, probably looking back to some of the years later and thinking, yeah, same feel. At least not as bad as what happened to Screech afterwards. Oh! Okay, Screech is a legitimate asshole. I know someone who met him and he's but, just, but just know, an You know what, what Screech did after? No, I do. And yeah. then I know someone who actually ran into him, and he is that much of an asshole and that much of a scumbag. That's all I'm going to say. It's fairly impressive. He didn't do anything that would get him in jail, but, like, when this person turned him down, he basically, like... You know, just pull her out. It's just like, really? You're an ass. It's like, really? Screech, of all people, is gonna get high and mighty. Yep. Really? Yeah, you played it. You played nerd blackface for so many fucking years. That's why I hate the people on the Big Bang Theory. If I ever meet them, I'm gonna go, thanks for setting nerds back, asshole! It's a nerd minstrel show. It is. Anywho. Anywho, back, back show to show girls. Like, Elizabeth, this was supposed to be, um... There are some actresses who they do try to take roles to take them out of the cutesy or, you know, they're, they're a little bit known for more conservative or family-friendly roles. Um, 
I think a good example is um, uh, Michelle Williams is very known for doing teen movies in Dawson's Creek, and then she did Brokeback Mountain, which gave, got her a lot of attention. Appropriately enough, Anne Hathaway kind of went the same route with that movie. She did. She did. She was she was known for more Princess Diaries, and she shows some tits in Brokeback Mountain. Actually, gives a very good subtle performance. Um, her very final nice tits. Yeah. Well, no, her final phone call with um, Heath Ledger's character is the, the the acting that she does. It's not very subtle, but she says so much by doing so little. I, I gotta say, I gotta say though, my one irritation really about, nice tits. No, about <laughs> about that. all of that. That my one issue with her getting uh, was it her or Michelle Williams that got nominated for the Oscars? Michelle Williams. Yeah. My issue with that was that. Like, for, like, three months there, every time they talked about the Oscars, all we would get is, YOU DON'T GO UP THERE TO FISH! <laughs> oh, God, okay. But, um... Back to the actual bad yeah, movies. Those are the two examples I have off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more, um... Lindsay Lohan tried it. Lindsay That's Lohan. a self-destruct sequence. She made... I know who killed me. That was oh, a cry for see, help. I... That, no. Hearts. Um, anywho... Um... So basically, she does that. She this was essentially supposed to be the role that would make her a star. This was this was made to be a blockbuster film. People thought this would make basic instinct money. Well, and tits it, make money. Well, but when it bombed, it bombed hard. And the NC seventeen rating was obsolete for years because of this film. It's only recently come back. I think Shame is the most high profile NC seventeen movie that's come out. I'd almost say since Showgirls. Would you disagree? Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, um, there have been a couple of them. Like, Itamama Tamien was rated NC-17. I could have sworn that was our... No, Antichrist was an NC-17. Antichrist was NC-17. But the thing is, both of those are European. I think she yeah. was the first real American She was the first that yeah. had a major impact here. Yeah. And also was supported by a major studio. Well, it yeah, was, well, Fox, It was Fox Searchlight, but it's still associated... It's still Fox. It's still Fox. So, in that... You know, they, in, Fox, I think, took the better, this was a lower, with shame, lower budget movie. It had a pretty, you know, big star, but they didn't release it everywhere because they knew this would be not a lot of, you know, not a lot of people wants to watch, would want to watch a very hard-hitting, kind of depressing film about sex. Well, the, the other issue is, with the NC-17 rating, because there's no logical reason to do that to yourself these days. Because if you think or if you know it's going to be rated NC-17, you just don't bother and you go with the unrated there's you do unrated, and that um, is sadly NC seventeen is kind of seen as box office poison. It is essentially thanks to showgirls. It is that's the whole reason why there were films that were rated NC seventeen that could still make money. I mean, before then it was just something where it's like people were like, okay, really don't fucking take your children to this. Like, don't si be an idiot. For a side shout out to really get a full grasp of the of uh, how ultimately fucked up the rating system is, go rent the movie. This film is not your rated. I uh. Yes. That's an excellent movie. You know what? With uh, I it, honestly, I do, I, I can see why this is NC seventeen. There's a lot of sexual content. There is a very violent rape scene, but I had the same problem. Like, do you, you know, Thelma Louise is a pretty violent attempt at rape, and that got an R. But I don't know. I, not I, as much. T well, that's well, not, not as much. T but my main point is like. If Tidious shown consensually, like, who's really being? As like submitted for your consideration. I spit on your grave as one of the longest freaking rape scenes. Oh, God! And I still, that's still in our rating. No, no, no. It was unrated when it came out. Oh, yeah. My mistake. There's, there's, there's also this thing. I spit on your grave is like everyone's Well, we've been, here. like, um, we've been relaxing the tits thing based on context and yeah. how long they're on screen. Like, total, the Total Recall remake was rated PG-13. Don't see it. It's awful. Um, but it's... It, there was like three and a half seconds of they one of the only two things anyone remembers about Total Recall. They stuck <laughs> in just because they could, didn't they? They did. See, um, I, I, I still thought any kind of, you know, nudity other than like, you know, maybe... Titanic a... was rated PG-13. Oh, that's right! Oh, because I, I... Wow, I It's because really... an R-rated movie would never have made that kind of money. And that's one of the reasons why... Um, NC-17 is such rating poison, because yeah. it means that you Almost can't take rating, your uh, the R, um, and actually, to go a bit further, the R rating itself is almost becoming, is becoming money poison now. People are actively avoiding getting the R rating. Well, that's always been the case, because everyone wants to grab teenagers. Yeah. But R Fucking rating, teenagers ruined everything. R ratings have been getting more money lately. Ted 
was R rated and it's That's doing true. surprising well, good yeah, You know what, but I, I have to say, that is because it came with a built-in name. It did? Uh, the Hangover, I can, uh, the Hangover, Bridesmaids. like, Bridesmaids because it was awesome, Hangover because it, you know, appealed to every douche frat in America. And there's almost, like, certain types of movies, especially comedies, but dramas and horrors in particular, yeah. horrors in particular, the R rating is, like, our badge of honor. Yeah. Like, Although, I will say, there are some PG-13 horror movies that have been really good. I thought Last Exorcism up and. Uh, up until like last ten minutes was a per- <laughs> yeah. no was I a know, pretty effective movie. I got a few jumps out of it. Um, Drag Me to Hell was PG thirteen, and I was impressed. I know you didn't love it, but I was impressed by everything that they were able to do by not showing you shit. And, and you know, like already movies have especially making money. So I was about to bring up Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah, saw a chunk of money. Well, it made back its budget. As I was like, considering A, its budget, and B, the fact that for a long time it was the redheaded stepchild of the studios, it really right, made... it's so good. It was, it's one of the best movies. You should all go see Cabin in the Woods. Uh, you will be laughing the entire last 30 minutes of that fucking movie. It's so beautiful. But back to the original point, Showgirls. So it's essentially like, you know, it's kind of like All About Eve with strippers. Uh, no, I'm not joking. That I know is, what, I know what you mean. Um, you know, there's the rivalry. And again, I think it was truly trying to say something about how women are treated in entertainment, how women are still commodities, so to speak, and it's acceptable for them to be exploited. And But it's just so lost. And As it, written by the man who gave us Crotch Shot, the movie. I know. Well, what, what about um, his next, the guy who wrote it, his next movie? Burn Hollywood Burn. Talking about that movie, but it's it's one of those that was it's trying it's trying hard to say something. It fails. It tries hard to be erotic. It really fails. It tries hard to be sexy. It fails. It tries hard to be interesting. Well, you know what? It, it succeeds in being interesting. It's interesting just not the way it intends to be. I know it's interesting. I'm like, wow, this is just wow. Well, it comes back to like <laughs> character actions. And this, I was saying this about the room. I say this yeah. about some of the things she does just do not make any fucking sense. It, the only way it makes sense is this woman has a personality disorder. And that's just how I, I see it. I'm like, Nomi's obviously got something wrong with her. She's had a hard life or whatever, and she's just like, I'm gonna fuck some water. I, like, there's one scene where she's doing, like, this pole dance, and she's clearly, whatever she's doing, she's having fun doing it. I mean, I'm sorry, if you're looking at a fucking stripper pole that other people have rubbed their cooch, and their cooch on, I'm like, you're obviously into it, because I would never do that. And then there's that sequence where she's, like, but, in the dance studio, and she's doing her audition. Up at this point, she's did a lap dance, which is basically, like, fucking the guy with her clothes She's on. whipped her tits out. She's whipped her tits out. For she, the guy, because she's like, I have a topless show, I gotta see tits, which she, I actually kind of, I kind of see his point. And then he's she, like, put some ice, I want to see your nipples erect. I'm erect, aren't you erect? She's throws so, the thing of ice and runs out. Oh, so you'll, you'll like, essentially fuck that girl on stage at the strip club, but, but, ice on my nipples! Well, I think it's because she wanted to get away from that, and so she's saying, this is just like the other, this is just like my other job. And, like, again, this isn't just skin, she's an artist. I know. It's, it's just, I mean, I think, it, I thought about it too much to the point where her actions do make sense besides the personality disorder, which just shows I've watched this movie too And then, and then there's the sex scene. The sex scene. Um, you don't fuck someone. As we've learned from both Showgirls in the Room, you don't fuck a belly button. Yes, the room, they both have that exact same, like, I understand. Todd, do they have a belly button fucking scene in Dracula? No, the only, the only thing close to, they, they can see that child off screen and that goes into a whole different level of creepy. Ah! Ah! No! No, no, it turns to a it almost turns to a giant bad Oedipus joke as the movie goes on. But like, there's like oh god, I remember that. I, I, I'm given to understand that the reason um he they, they were he was essentially fucking her belly button in the room is because he was a method actor and he insisted that they both be naked. Oh, I she uh, should go to like a rape crisis center after but, that. And what you met him? What, what was the story about? Oh, oh, okay. Um, great. Todd and I were both there. We have a picture with him. Uh, there is a photo of him and uh, him with his armor on me, with sunglasses. I'm very Does he have proud. BO? Does he have BO? I didn't. Even we were notice. outside. So we were outside, and we were carrying Chinese food. We just seen Kickass that night too. It was pretty great. Was like, we were outside. There was a line. Anywho, um, he was asking questions. One question where people ask, "Who influenced you in your movie?" Because that is a stupid question. 
That is like asking who influences you when you eat breakfast, your mother or your father. I'm not joking you, he said that. He is a magical creature. And for an encore, he had someone come up on stage and count the number of belts he was wearing. And he insisted that it be a woman. How many belts was it? I don't know. Unless it was like, like three or four, maybe? I just, we just remember, I know that we were both just like, oh god, this poor woman. This poor woman. And even Greg Sestero, who plays Mark, was there. And even he looked skeeved the fuck out. Please don't play with my freezers. Skeeved the fuck out at what was happening. Like, he's just like, this isn't right. Then, then there's the whole, like, dialogue thing. Like, I want to discuss dialogue in these movies. And we can't really oh, do it yeah. with Dracula, because Dracula's dumb. What is this power? Well, I don't know, there is an agreement that, I, uh, as far as I can tell, the dub is still relatively accurate. Like, they're not completely they're making not shit up. Samurai, samurai Pizza Cats thing? No, they're, like... I actually looked up some of the info on the comics, and some of the stuff is still pretty accurate. Like, the only major changes I can find are a couple name changes, including one character in the original story was called Torgo for a bizarre bit of fun trivia. The dub changes to Tomo. Aww. Some of the dialogue, especially given, like, the delivery, like, half of what Tommy Wiseau says is completely unintelligible. The single, and I think the single greatest bad line from the room is the infamous debate between Mark and Johnny about women. You looks know, like you're, looks yeah. like you're the expert, Mark. No, it was particular. the line where, story about the woman who got the shit beaten out of her. And he's and like, what a story! What a story! It was like the ever horrified and ultra empathetic nice guy Johnny just goes, <laughs> "What a story, Mark!" See, see, I'm still a huge fan of. No, I can't tell you. It's confidential. So anyway, how's your sex life? <laughs> Perfect. In Showgirls, there are some stuff that kind of comes across as natural, like very few things do. I think some yeah. of the interactions between her and Molly do come across as like, you know, it, it kind of seems like how I talk to my girlfriends. Like, every now and then I'll pick something where it's like, oh yeah, I can see that happening. Like, there's this whole more like, you know, she sees a dress and she's like, I want that. And the woman who's just seen her says, look, I can make that for you. And she's like, but I want to buy it. And I'm like, yeah, I can, I, I've seen people say something to that extent. But most of it's just like, who the fuck talks about doggy chow? Really? Everybody got AIDS and shit. Oh, God. And I think with that, we should end the podcast. Yeah. Everybody I, got AIDS and shit, so wear condoms. I will say one more thing, appropriately tied to another bad movie. They thought this twice earlier. There was your comment about, I watched it and thought it was shit, and they watched it again later. And your comment about this made sex for me. Remind me of one other classically terrible movie, Caligula. Oh, Caligula. oh, I think we're needing our own podcast for that. With the giant ice penis? Giant ice penis, fisting. Peter ah, Jules drunken rants for the first half hour. Just all the fun. Spiked dildos, too. So, enjoy. Dildos. Enjoy your spiked dildos, podcasters. Oh, this is James. Liz. Doug. Signing off. <laughs> what a story, Mark.